0: And welcome to Bags and Boards. Coming up on tonight's show, we talk about Conan from Asmodee and run down all the games we played at the PhD Speed Gaming event. Plus, news, new releases, games on Kickstarter, and more. What have you been playing? What games have we picked up lately? Find out tonight on Bags and Boards. And welcome to the show everybody. I'm Lance McFarland here with D Clark. D, how's everything going? Going well, Lance. How are you? Doing pretty good. It's been a while since we've been on the air. It has. It's been actually a really long
1: time. Uh, scheduling's um, a hard thing to do sometimes, man.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the show, we'll kind of talk about the future of bags and boards, but for right now, we're going to talk about some cool games, um, you know, uh we we did a really cool thing. We went up to Dallas, went to this thing called Speed Gaming, yeah, uh, where we got to sit down with a whole bunch of publishers and see some of their newer games, some of their upcoming games, things like that. Plus, we're going to talk about Conan from Asmodee Editions. Uh, as you know, not my you know usual style of game,
1: absolutely not. But
0: the theme, I'm a huge Conan fan, so I was really down to play it. If you don't know, Bags and Boards is a weekly board game review and discussion show here on KXTR 100.7 The Planet, covering everything in today's designer hobby board game world. We're on Twitter at Bags and TX at Facebook.com Bags and Boards and at Bags and TX at gmail.com. You can find all of this info at our SoundCloud page at SoundCloud.com Bags and Boards, plus all of our past reviews and interviews and our RSS feed address, which allows you to add our podcast. any podcast catcher but even better than that just search for bags and boards on any of your podcast catchers like itunes stitcher podcast addict any of that and you'll find bags and boards subscribe rate review us anything like that Um, also uh, we're on the air every wednesday at six and every saturday and sunday at five o'clock that's correct you can listen online by clicking listen live at kxtr.com or every thursday we upload the show to our podcast feed so you can go over to itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and listen there so D, uh, we're going to um, come back. We got a lot of news to catch up on from the last, uh, I'd say, five weeks or so, and uh, then we're going to get into uh, games that have uh, come out recently. We're going to talk about games we've been playing, games we picked up, things like that, and then we'll get on to Conan and PhD Speed Gaming Event. Uh, But before we do that, I want to tell everybody about Game & Movie Traders. Uh, We're brought to you by Game & Movie Traders. You can buy, sell, and trade both new and used video games for any console, DVDs and Blu-ray, and comic books. They also feature a selection of board and card games, including Magic the Gathering and other collectible card games. They're located at 2900 West Washington Street, Suite 60, Right next door to the movie theater here in Stephenville and can be reached by calling 965GAME or online at Facebook.com slash Game and Movie Traders Sville. We'll be right back.
1: Come join the Tarleton family as we bid farewell to Greg Ball after twenty-seven years at the university with one final alumni jazz concert. The concert will be held in the Clyde H. Wells Fine Arts Center on April 29th. This is the last chance for Tarleton students to admire Greg Ball's musical gift with the Tarleton Jazz Ensemble. That's Saturday, April 29th, in the Clyde H. Wells Fine Arts Building. For more information, contact the Department of Fine Arts at 254-968-9245.
2: Carlton Radio is proudly supported by Cotton Patch Cafe in Stephenville. Wednesdays have several features, starting off with an onion string appetizer. For entree, Southern homestyle chicken tenders, now in kick and honey or Southern buffalo flavors. Then Mama's butter cake for dessert, with the option of dine in or take-out. Cotton Patch at 2860 West Washington can be reached at 254-965-5255. Cotton Patch Cafe, serving homestyle meals to Texans for 25 years.
0: And welcome back to the show, everybody. Time to get into some of the news that's been going on over the last uh, four or five weeks since we've been uh, off the air. Hope everybody's been enjoying uh, some of the repeats we've been playing lately, but time to get to some of the new stuff. D, first of all, USAopoly has announced a new expansion for the Harry Potter deck building game called the Monster Box of Monsters. An expansion that adds 150 new cards, a new character, which uh, they haven't said who, but good chance it might be Luna Lovegood.
1: Seems reasonable. I mean, I, I, mean, I could th- think of a couple others, but Luna makes a she makes as much sense as anybody, if not more so.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and new wizard power, uh, maybe the Patronus. Maybe that would be cool. And uh, breaking the rules of Hogwarts is a big part of this one. That's kind of the new mechanism in right. the game. So I, uh, it, you know, our review of the Harry Potter game was very mixed. Right? Like we yes, had a it was. really great time, but overall, as a game, so this game, this expansion is like. My initial thought is, oh, I really want to play it, but then I go, do I really want to play that game again? I do, <laughs> you know, I do too, kind of, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, that's coming out. Um, I asked the guy from USAopoly; he definitely said like Gen Con. so it's, we got quite a while before that comes out. Yeah. Um, so Lookout Games is working on an expansion to Gaverna, tentatively planned for the first half of 2018. This was actually a fan expansion that they've gone and said, hey, we want to make this is pretty cool. And you can actually uh, go to BGG to the files section of Caverna and download this expansion right now for Caverna. It adds like a ton of races to the game. All right. So like where you are hill dwarves in Caverna, now you can play the game as elves or humans and each one of those has different things associated with it that play into the game. So D, last bit of news. I kept this for the last because I'm so excited about this. I've always wanted a reason to play the legendary games, right? Okay. And I love Marvel, you do, but that wasn't enough to make me play another deck builder. And I love, I like deck builders just fine, right? I know my favorite thing in the world. But I like deck builders, um, and I love Marvel, but they're cooperative. They so are that just I, they're they're, they're so,
1: pseudo co-op, which is my problem with them. Oh, really? Yeah. You if you if you beat the game, then you establish a winner. Oh, okay. But if you lose, you all lose. The Got game you. wins, which is. For Me is it's not my cup of tea to me. That's bad game design, yeah. it's just I don't like it.
0: So, I mean, those games are really popular, but there's been something holding me back from them. I just haven't gone out on a limb to you know play them, right? Right. So, now uh, coming out at Gen Con this year is legendary Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite TV show of all time. Sure, so I'm super excited about this. I mean, to play Buffy and Willow and Xander and the rest of the gang. Super, super excited about this one. So um, they also announced Legendary Marvel Noir and Legendary X-Men releasing in June. So here's the difference, right? So this is a legendary game. They also have the Legendary Encounters line of games. Right. Right? Yes. So that's where you get, I can't remember which one it is. So I know that the Alien and Predator games are Legendary Encounters, right? right? The Marvel game is Legendary. Yes. With, not with nothing encountered. There's also Big Trouble in Little China and Firefly. One of those is legendary. One of them's a legendary encounters game. I don't remember which one, but people tend to like the encounters games better.
1: Right. Um, which the only one that I've played is the Marvel, so I can't really speak to that in terms of, you know, yeah, yeah this set's definitely better or anything like that. But you're right. There's definitely a correlation.
0: Well, cool. Well, either way, I am excited about this game. Love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I'm down to play any Buffy game. I will say Jasco Games has a Buffy game coming out. Yes. But after watching the video, eh, it's not, <laughs> not... Not not looking so good for I you? I don't know. It might be a great game. But okay. It, it didn't look like the kind of game I'm really that interested in. That's fair. But, um, which is unfortunate because Jasco Games has so many cool IP games coming out.
1: That yes, they do. Dragon Ball Z, Street Fighter, and Mortal Kombat coming out. I'm really excited for those. I are,
0: am too as long as
1: just uh, IP games quality, have been really good right. lately so I'm I'm Mild, I guess not really excited I'm mildly excited because I'm nervous about it also. But. Yeah for sure.
0: So uh, we're going to get into the games we've been playing and picking up lately but before we do we're going to take a quick break uh, and before we go to break Game & Movie Traders located at 2900 West Washington Street right next door to the movie theater in Stevenville. carries a selection of boarding card games including Magic the Gathering, Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh! and more. They also host groups and tournaments for all of these games plus Dungeons & Dragons, Warhammer and more. For more information they can be reach at 965 game or facebook.com slash game and movie traders sville and we will be right back <laughs>
2: Carlton Radio is proudly supported by Cotton Patch Cafe in Stephenville. Wednesdays have several features, starting off with an onion string appetizer. For entree, Southern home-style chicken tenders, now in kick and Honey or Southern Buffalo flavors. Then Mama's Butter Cake for dessert, with the option of dine-in or take-out. Cotton Patch at 2860 West Washington can be reached at 254-965-5255. Cotton Patch Cafe, serving home-style meals to Texans for 25 years.
0: This year, firefighters will battle thousands of wildfires around the country in hopes of containing them. But a single ember that escapes can travel more than one mile where it can ignite and destroy your home or community. You can't control where the ember will land, only what happens when it does. Prepare, protect, prevail. Get Fire Adapted. Learn simple steps you could take now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. All right, and welcome back to the show, everybody. Time to talk about the games we've been picking up lately and the games we've been playing lately. Uh, D, you play any cool games lately besides the ones we're going to talk about later?
1: Uh, Got a little bit of Blood Bowl in. Been doing some PC gaming, a few games of Munchkin. Uh, Got a game of Lords of Waterdeep. Whoa. It's been a pretty good, I mean, I realize it's been a while, but yeah, man. I've gotten some pretty good gaming in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we played Conan, right? We're going to talk about that later.
0: I did get to play c- Codename Pictures yes. uh, on Easter Sunday with okay. my family. And I got to say, I know you're not a big fan of Codename Pictures, but I just made a house rule that you couldn't say the thing that the picture obviously was. Okay. And it worked. That, right? that, I could imagine that that would be problematic. Because then you start just going one by one by one by one and right. not trying to think outside the box, which is kind of the point of code names is thinking outside the box. Yes, right? completely. Um, so I just made that rule and I really liked it because I, I love that the pictures just have multiple things going on in them. For sure. So and I really want to play where you play uh, word picture word picture word picture. You know, you call oh, that could, could be creative. Mix them up, yeah, right? For sure. Um, also, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I played this four times since I've got it. I played four of the ten mysteries. Okay. Man, I am so into this game. I will say if you don't like reading aloud or you don't have anyone in your group or at home where you play games that likes reading aloud, this might not be the game for you because there's a ton of reading. Okay. Because you have to read the mystery and then every lead you choose, there's anywhere from a paragraph to a page of stuff to read. Okay. So it's all really interesting and fascinating and you're discovering things about the mystery and the murder and it's so awesome, man. So you read a mystery, and then you've got a directory that just has tons and tons of names in it, and they all correlate to a number and uh, a letter. Sure. Right? So it might be 41EC, which is uh, the different sections on the map. And okay. And you have a big map of London, and then you flip that over, and you got a map of Whitechapel for the four Jack the Ripper cases. Okay. Um, and you've got your directory, but also in the back, there's like a yellow pages almost, so mm-hmm. like banks, hospitals, you know, bars, restaurants whatever so they all have that same number letter correlation right okay so once you say okay um they said something about taking him to the morgue right so we're going to go look at morgues and see which morgue is in the section of town that we know this is happening in we find that morgue we see like 81 e and we go to our case book look up 81 e and read the the text of like what happened when we went and checked that out okay and then what you're doing is Sherlock Holmes always scores 100. We're trying to get enough information that we think we can answer the questions that they're going to ask us about the about the case. Right. But not get – because you could just end up reading the entire book and know all the answers, right? Sure. So you're trying to not get so much that you – Sherlock Holmes, it tells you how many leads he used to solve the case. Any amount you go over that, you lose five points for each. Okay. So you're trying to get that perfect number to where – You got enough to answer the questions, but not so much that you're going to lose a ton of points, right? Makes sense. So, super fun game. I'm definitely 100% picking up this other one when I'm done. Okay. Because the way I'm going through these, like, it's not like I'm going to be done in a month, but, like, by the time this other one comes out, I'll be ready for more. Okay. And, man, I... I know that once I'm done with those, I bet there's
1: fan cases online.
0: Probably. So, really excited about that. Really love Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Games have picked up lately. D, you come across any games lately?
1: I I actually haven't picked up anything uh, that we're not going to talk about, so... Yeah, that's true, too.
0: Um, Unfortunately, uh, no. So... uh, I got Codename Pictures Uh, and Adrenaline from CGE. Okay. Really excited to play Adrenaline. Adrenaline is such an interesting game because it's a Euro game about first-person shooters. Right. Which you would almost instantly go, I bet that's an Ameritrash game, right? You would think so. So uh, really excited about Adrenaline. um, And that's pretty much all the games picked up that, uh, like you said, we're not going to talk about later. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about Conan from Asmodee Editions. But before we take a break, Circle A Skate Shop is located inside Game & Movie Traders in Stevenville, next door to the movie theater. They offer skateboards and longboards and carry accessories, including trucks, wheels, skate videos, and more. Information at 965-GAME or by searching Circle A Skate Shop Stevenville on Facebook. And we will be right back. KXTR 100.7 The Planet is proud to announce the opening of Texan Tattoo at 1280 West Washington Street directly across from the Tarleton campus. Texan Tattoo offers Tarleton students and Stephenville residents a variety of services to meet their tattoo or body piercing needs. Artists' work can be found online at facebook.com slash Texan Tattoo. Walk-ins are welcome and appointments can be made by calling 254-968-0050. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. It's time to talk about Conan. We got, I think all the plays we got of this were, well, some five, some four player. Yes. And that's including the Game Master. Correct. So, as far as the players go, three and four players, right? Yes. So, we never got to try the, like, what one versus one version or the just, like, you know, two versus one versions. But... We did get to try the higher player counts, right? Yes, we did. These games are more meant for higher player counts. As a a rule, I would say so. I will say though that um, you know, Star Wars Imperial Assault kind of proved that rule wrong by in the box also including rules for a tactical game, a 1 versus 1 tactical game. Right. And the reskin of this game that's coming out, I think later this year, mm-hmm. which is a Batman reskin of this game, okay. is going to include rules for a 1 versus 1 tactical game. Okay. Just like uh, the Imperial Assault did.
1: I think so. I think you can make these games uh this this genre of games 1 versus all. You can make them as a more tactical game with with fewer players. Um but I would I would continue to argue that as a rule, like if you don't know about it going at going in, you just pick one up at random. Yeah, um, you're gonna pick one up that's designed for more players.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Your descent, your Arcadia quests, your you know, yeah, all, your super dungeon explorers, games. all those. Yeah. So uh, this game is published by Asmodee Editions and designed by Frederick Henry, um, a French designer. So I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but Paul Marie. Um, Also, on the credits, it says Antoine Bauza and Bruno Cathala, which are two big-name designers. Yes. Um, I don't know how much they had in the design of this game. I did uh, hear something really cool on the Dice Towers podcast um, about how this game had a ton of input from just gamers. Right. Like, the designer, like, called out for people that wanted to help with the game, and it, like— actually like kickstarted people's careers in the board game industry which is really cool yeah like a guy that helped with the kickstarter for this game just because he emailed them and said hey i'd like to help you with the kickstarter now has a career running kickstarters for board game publishers hey pretty cool that's really awesome Yeah, so this is um, unlike a lot of Conan stuff, which is more based on ancillary stuff like the Conan movies or the comics or whatever. Right. um, This is 100% based on the Robert E. Howard stories to the point where they actually hired somebody to make sure that this game followed Robert E. Howard's vision of Conan the Barbarian. Correct. Awesome. Um, And I'm a big fan. I've read a lot of the Robert E. Howard stuff. I've been to Robert E. Howard days and Cross Planes. Yes. Read tons of Conan comics. I'm uh, a big big Conan fan, right? So, uh, this is a one versus all game like we said with four different maps. And uh, we'll talk about the maps later, but multiple scenarios in the in the main rulebook that each play a different number of players. I think they all play all the player counts but they're suggested for a certain number of players. Is that right or am no. I wrong?
1: There are scenarios that <laughs> will only play with a certain number of players. You can But that's it, right on some of the scenarios. Yeah, right? you can you can increase the difficulty by Like, the four or five player scenarios, playing them with less people, you're just making it harder for the players is what you're doing. No big deal. The smaller scenarios that are designed for, like, two adventurers, they, like, there's literally nothing in there for, hey, put another uh, adventurer in there. There's no scaling. There's nothing of that sort whatsoever. So if you did,
0: it would just be way too easy. Yes. For the players. Yes. So, um, and, you know, I think this is actually my first one versus all game to play, and... I got to say, I finally came to the realization the other day that, like, it's this isn't like a Dungeons & Dragons dungeon master. Like, the other person's an actual player in the game. Like, he's right. actually trying to win, you know? Yeah, you and I had that ma-
1: conversation in the car. Not just make
0: sure we're having fun. Right. Yeah. So, um... Let's see. Uh, players can play as Conan, uh, Shevatus the Thief, uh, Hadrathus the Sorcerer, and Belit the Pirate Queen. Other characters available through expansions, and also the Kickstarter version had more characters. Yes. Which, man, makes me wish I had gotten that. You know what I mean? Um, each scenario is set up with the... Um, With the uh, scenario book and players are given win and loss conditions, such as kill these two specific characters and find this artifact, or you lose if one of your party dies before this certain turn, things like that. Right. Right. Heroes are given certain starting equipment, but can find more items and spells by searching through treasure chests. So each player has a player board. Correct. And on that player board is going to be three square sections at the bottom. One is your active gems, one is your used gems, and one is your health. So um, they're going to move across those, right? So when I um, – I, we, each person starts out with a certain amount of gems. When I decide to do an action, I commit a certain number of gems to that, right? Correct. Right. So we do the actions. Uh, at the end of the player's turns, we move all those down to our used box down at the bottom. And then once we do defense, we move all those down to our used box at the bottom. And then a certain amount are going to move back over. Over on the right side of the board, you have uh, – engaged or aggressive and passive yes. right so if you move your character down to passive you can move more gems back over to your active side to Correct. be able to use more the next turn but you're only you're going to be able to use only a certain amount the next turn whereas if you're in the in the aggressive category you can use as much as you want so there's a really nice balance there of you know you can move more back over but you're going to be able to use fewer so you really have to I mean, unlike a lot of, you know, more American style board games I played, there's a lot of future planning where you're saying, I'm going to get these moved back over now. So in three turns, once I move back to aggressive, I can really use them and like go after this one thing because I plan on moving over here and doing this. Right. There's a lot of future planning where I, I haven't seen that a lot in like, say, the Magic the Gathering board game that I played, things like that. Correct. You know, I would agree with that completely. Which is all like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Roll the dice. The turn's done. Right. You know? Um. So, what happens when you get hit? When you take a wound, you move them over to the third box, and those don't move back over, except with like healing potions and stuff like that. Right. And then if you lose all your gems to over there, which does happen, it happened in both of our games. Yep. Um. You, you're you're dead. dead. You're dead. So, um, let's see. What else is on the player board? You've got all the actions. You've got uh, melee. You've got uh, long-range combat. You've got defense. You've got movement. You've got a re-roll thing where you can commit gems to be able to re-roll your dice. Yes. And then you've got a kind of like a uh, manipulation.
1: Yeah, which is basically basically your catch-all for doing uh, non-combat things, Uh, picking locks on treasure chests is manipulation. Climbing. Climbing is manipulation. Throwing potions and, and items to people who are right not right next to you as a manipulation. Gotcha. Um, you know, basically it's your it's your catch all for everything else. Yeah,
0: and then each of the characters also has uh, certain things that they're better at that they get pluses to things like that. Correct. Um, it's uh, lined out as symbols on your player board. But then over, there's like four sheets that uh, run all those down, right? Right. And we never really got a chance to use much of that. I will say the one, I played Conan uh, every time we played, and the one I got to use a lot was, uh, it's not called Cleave. It's called circular Strike. circular strike, and that's pretty much Cleave from Dungeons & Dragons. Where if I every bit of damage I do over what it took to kill this guy goes to the next guy, to the next guy, to the next guy,
1: and you can really take out a group of like five people in yeah, one swing. Conan kills large numbers of people in in single attacks, which yeah. I mean, totally flavorful. That's what Conan does,
0: and I think this is why I love Conan and what made me have fun playing him in this game. Because right. in D anD D. I always play a Barbarian. I know it's boring. It's just my favorite thing to play. And Cleave was one of my favorite things ever. So right. I loved that he pretty much had Cleave, you know. Um, so anyway, that's the player board. Uh, Do you tell us about the uh, kind of game map. I, I forget what he's called, the
1: Overlord. The Overlord. Um,
0: tell us about what his player board's like, because there's some really interesting stuff going on on that board.
1: Yeah, so the Overlord has... Uh, let, me, let me just go from the top down here. The Overlord up top has a... Uh, a spot that says how many uh, gems you recover each turn, which varies from scenario to scenario, and then underneath that you've got two large areas. Uh, one is green, one is red, and that's active gems and used gems. Uh, being the overlord, I, the overlord personally doesn't have any health, so you don't have that third box that the players do. Um, but you've got used and you've got used and available, and those go bouncing back and forth. Um, but unlike the players who have aggressive and normal stances, the overlord just You get this many gems back every turn in the story. And then under that, you've got uh, eight slots. They're numbered one through eight from left to right. And you have um, a large slideable tray uh, where you put uh, your unit indicators. Uh, Each game has up to uh, seven units and then a reinforcement tile. And... Basically, you pay in gems whatever slot they are in. So uh, if, if you're activating the unit in, in slot one, you pay one gem, and that unit gets to do all of its stuff. Um, two is two, three is three, so on and so forth. You want to activate that guy that you just activated? It's, it's usually really expensive. Yeah, uh, It's not something you get to do very often. Um, but whenever you activate a unit, you take it out, you slide everybody else down one, and that unit that just activated goes into the eight spot, so you have to um, manage your gems relatively efficiently uh, and keep everybody rotating, or else you have to pay through the nose to activate somebody you know more than once. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that, that's a really cool mechanism. It's a great mechanism. It forces the the DM, the Overlord, the whatever you want to call that that role, um, to use everybody. Um, and it also puts the Overlord at a disadvantage because whenever a unit is wiped, that tile doesn't leave; it just gets turned over as a, and it's got a bloody side on the backside as a reminder: hey, this unit's dead, um, and you don't want to activate the the dead unit because it's dead. But yeah. at the same time, if you if you want to get it out of the way, because sooner or later they they just start clogging up the cheap end of your board, yeah, and you've got to activate them to get them out of the way, yeah. Um, you can, you can bring them back from the dead, effectively, with the uh, reinforcement tile. Um, reinforcement takes guys that have been removed for play for whatever reason, doesn't matter, and uh, puts them back onto the board. And there is a cost associated with each unit, depending on how strong the unit is. And uh, your special characters, your guys that are uh, typically uh, goals for the players, are not revivable. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, they killed the, they killed the sorcerer that they had to kill to win the game. No, you don't get to bring in another sorcerer. Yeah, that's true. But your your mooks, you you just throw wave after wave of them at them, assuming you manage it correctly.
0: Yeah, and that was kind of like my first one. Of, one of my issues with the game is that that I mean, I know you've got to have that to have like any chance, right? Because otherwise, Conan and a couple other characters doing some having a couple good turns kind of just wipe through everybody and like end of game. Yeah, but it really kind of makes the game long sometimes, you know. You're like okay, we're getting to we're getting closer to the guy, closer to the guy. We're about to be there. Okay, another giant group. of Yep, here's a gi- here's a wall enemies that we have to use a whole turn to get through. You You're know? right, um, but I guess that's just kind of the point of these games.
1: Yeah, right? because um, the scenarios that we played were both timed. Yeah, um, if you did not complete the objectives by the by the time limit, terrible things happened. One of them was just straight up, you lose the game. Um, the other one, uh, it was potentially possible to get a draw uh, due to lack of time. Yeah. But uh, running out of time oh, carried bad consequences. Like, if nothing else, you don't win. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that's pretty much the game. Uh, no, this is a
0: miniatures game, so there's a ton of miniatures. Probably somewhere between 60 and 75 miniatures. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm not a... I'm not an expert on miniatures, but they all look nice to me.
1: Yeah, I, I thought they were solid minis. Yeah. Um, it was nice of them. Um, so with most minis games, they come in grayscale. They come yeah. in you know just colored plastic. Um, it was nice of them to use um, different colored plastic for the PCs and the allies yeah. from the monsters. Yeah. So you don't have to paint these guys up. You don't have to put special markings on them you just look and go, okay, those are the good guys, these are the bad guys, yeah, true. and you can go from there.
0: Yeah, and most of the miniatures are like a ton of skeletons, a ton of this creature, a yeah. ton of archers, whatever. But there are some really cool-looking monsters and priests and things like that. There's a giant
1: snake. And it, Giant snake looks awesome. Yeah, and he
0: was very hard to beat as well. Yes, he was. Um, and he does look really cool. And just like most games like this, there's a ton of expansions. Right. I mean, in pretty much every expansion you buy, they're like smaller expansions where it's like this unit or this one monster with the cards that you need for that monster. Precisely. You know? So if you want really wanted to get into a game like this, you can drop a lot of money on something like this. You could. I mean, if you don't want to just keep playing the base game stuff, like if you played this 20 times and wanted to play more, Right, that's when you'd start getting into the, okay, I'm going to buy this unit that comes with this scenario, things like that. Right. You know? um, overall, I enjoyed... Um, uh, that's pretty much the whole game master board, right?
1: Um, that is pretty much the whole game master board. Um, it gives, a, like I said, uh, a decent amount of strategy is involved on part of the Overlord. It is yeah. not your typical one-versus-all game because your typical one-versus-all game, all the monsters that are left on, on the Overlord's turn... Everybody who's still alive, they get to do stuff. And that's not necessarily the case with Conan. Yeah. Um, There were a couple of times where I found myself wanting for gems. Yeah. um, Which made life very difficult.
0: Yeah. And I would say overall, like, I had a good time playing this game. It's not my kind of game for a reason. Right. Um, And I probably. Won't ever play it again, but I did really enjoy the game. If I just want to get some good Conan flavor, I'd probably play it again. Right. But, um, yeah, it's, uh... This particular one, from what I've seen from other games like this, mm-hmm. this one had some really cool stuff going on. I really like the way the gems flowed on the player boards. Right. You know, like having to really manage how many I get back versus how many I use. Because you really stop yourself from just going all out. Yes. Because you're like, I've got to save some of this for defense. If if you I know? go all
1: out this turn, I'm going to have literally nothing to do next turn except yeah. stand here and be a target.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I will say that... Um, You know, a lot of the problems with uh, American-style board games for me are just like the overwhelming amount of luck in the games. There was a good bit of ways to mitigate the luck in this game, right? So uh, there's a lot of the symbols on your item cards— uh, let you re-roll a certain die or two. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the re-roll spot on the player boards, which we never use for some reason. N- None
1: of you used it, and I was not about to point it out and be like, <laughs> hey, guys, why don't you re-roll that terrible roll that otherwise would probably kill the boss of the encounter?
0: <laughs> it's very true. I don't know why we didn't, but next time, next time, if we played again, we would. Um but that thing on the player on the game master board seemed really cool too. The sliding back and forth—it was. It's a really interesting way to do that. What a cool idea the designer had uh, as a way to activate the uh, monsters and stuff. It
1: was. It was very interesting. Like I said, it made me use everybody, um, and yet at the same time kept me from using everybody. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty interesting. Um, I had some some serious problems with this game from the overlord's perspective. Um, and and we've touched on that a little bit in terms of waves of monsters. Um, if if I as the Overlord were only left with uh, the guys on the board at the start of the game, this is a three turn game, and I have no chance of winning at any point in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Conan. I think you literally killed six people in one turn. Yeah. Uh, one time and uh you were not the only one to do ridiculous things like that yeah. uh the mage the first time we played i think he killed uh i think he killed 11 people the first time oh, you know here's a giant wall mall ma- uh, there's a bunch of uh, enemies here and he has a spell that only targets uh enemies and just here's a point of damage to all the mooks how many points of damage does it take to kill a mook oh wait one yeah well okay i'm done here yeah um well, yeah. luckily you
0: have the thing to be able to bring them back.
1: That's so, true. I mean, that doesn't really—it's
0: um, not really as big of a problem since you are able to bring them back, right? Um, you can and you can't bring them back all really quickly because that one thing that lets you bring them back goes all the way. Goes to where all the way back. It costs yep. eight gems, you know. So, um, overall, the game has some really interesting mechanisms for a game like this. It's not my kind of game, but I would say if you like this kind of game, it's not a bad one. Especially if you like the theme. If you like Conan, this is
1: dripping with Conan theme, you know. I I do agree that it's dripping with Conan theme. I'm going to disagree with you on on whether you should get this game or not. As a guy who's played several one-versus-all games and owns a couple of one-versus-all games, uh, this thing has no spot in my library. Uh, The Overlord... Only has one way to win, and that's by dragging this thing out into super deep water uh, by, by just swarming and swarming and swarming and making the game last forever. Uh, it's advertised as a 90-minute game, but uh, if the Overlord wins, there's no way that this is happening in 90 minutes. This is a two- to three-hour game if the Overlord wins. Uh, it's super fidgety, super fiddly, lots and lots of pieces. Uh, it took me thirty to forty-five minutes to set up each time that we played. That's true, and and I'm saying that again as a guy who's used to setting up these one versus all games. That you know, this is this is not my first rodeo setting up that type of game, and it took me forever to set up.
0: I mean, think about this though: for you to win, you have to drag the game out really yeah. far. But your one objective was to kill Bailey, and you never went after
1: Bailey. I never had a chance to get after Bailey was the problem. I mean, because I mean, you
0: could have leapt across the ship as well and gone over to that side. And
1: um, the the difference was is that the, if the PCs jump from ship to ship uh, in the game that I won, it was a it was a two versus it was a two ship battle. Uh, Bailey's ship had been attacked while it was in harbor. Um, if if my guys jump across the ship and they fail, they die. Oh yeah. If the PCs jump across the ship and they fail, they just don't jump. And I was not willing to risk what was, at that point in time, early in the game, a very limited number of pieces to jump across the ship and and know that I'm going to lose a chunk of these guys. Hmm. So, yeah, from zero experience, it was a a fun
0: game. Right. Um, Yeah. I never really want to play the game master side anyway, so right. I I could imagine that that would be problematic. But that's not something I would ever play in a game like this. Um, component wise, the miniatures seem just fine.
1: The miniatures are good. The pieces, like I said, there are a million pieces in this box, They're but really they nice. are really well made. They're yeah. solid pieces. If you take care of your games, this game will last you a long time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, the
1: artwork is the artwork's really top solid. notch. Agreed.
0: The boards. Uh, there's two boards, and they're both double-sided. Right. So there's four different maps, essentially, for you to play on. And the one with the two ships side-by-side on it is one of the coolest-looking game boards Yes. I've ever seen.
1: It's uh, really awesome. The castle board is not bad. It, it's. I mean, it's a castle. Yeah. It's a top-down castle. I really liked the picked Village. Yeah. With the, with the walls that you can climb up and down and the yeah. different barriers that... Uh, Conan in theory could go, you know, destroy them and make another uh, extra avenues and things like yeah. that. Um, but uh, you're you're right that that uh, ship versus ship board with the sharks swimming around and and jumping up out of the water is uh, it is gorgeous. It's very nice looking game. So I and it's a very big game. So I mean, a storage space is an issue for you. Yes, it's a, yes, really it's a big box and it is a heavy box. It goes thunk. So
0: um, that's how the game plays. Th- those are our thoughts on the game from D. I'm uh,
1: g- uh, guessing no recommend. No, I would not recommend this. Um, if if I was going to give this a letter grade, probably a D plus. Okay. Uh, for me,
0: I would say I had a good time with it. If this is your style of game, at least check it out.
1: One one thing that I find interesting because after after our last playthrough, we immediately discussed our overall thoughts on the game, um, and Like I thought at that point in time that it was, um, that it wasn't a bad game. That it, you know, there are a lot of really good pieces, and they just didn't, they were nothing more than the sum of their parts. But you know, it wasn't a bad game. Sure. And uh, you were pretty down on the game, it seemed like to me. And the more like we've gotten some time away from it and given our own private thoughts to it, and it seems like we've kind of switched roles, almost. Well, here's the thing: is I'm down
0: on this kind of game.
1: Right. That's fair. I wish they. I mean, I would be
0: fine if they didn't exist at all. You know what I mean? Right. I'm, I'm trying to come at it from the perspective of, I played it. So what If I liked these kind of games, what would I think about this game? That's fair. You know what I mean? And in that perspective, I had a good time. But I also got to play Conan. And I would say some of the other players didn't, d- didn't fare as well as I did because they didn't get to roll like 12 dice at a time. You right. You know what I mean? Um, but... In that situation, I guess you just have to start like figuring out how to be more tactic how to really play your type of character absolutely strengths, you know what I mean. Um, So anyway, those are our thoughts on Conan from Asmodee, and when we come back, we're talking about PhD speed gaming event in Dallas from last week, all the games we played there, and just about the event overall, and we will be right back. But before we go to break, Game & Movie Traders brings you bags and boards every week, and uh, Game & Movie Traders is located at 2900 West Washington Street, and they do buy, sell, and trade for both new and used video games. They offer both new and classic video games for all systems, including PS4. Xbox One, as well as Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and all consoles in between. Information at 965-GAME or at Facebook.com slash GameAndMovieTradersSville. And we'll be right back. 100.7 KXTR The Planet is brought to
1: you in part by Videos & More, located at 931 West Washington Street in Stephenville. Videos & More offers a variety of movies and video games for sale or rent, and also has a large option of select knives and other oddities in stock. For more information on videos and more and their possibilities for Tarleton students and faculty, the store can be reached at 254 413 4734. You can't miss cruising the
0: planet. We've got hard hitting questions how long can the koalas hold food in their stomach musical performances
1: don't stop make it pop dj blow
0: my speakers (laughs) up tonight i'ma fight till we see the sunlight the award-winning cruising the planet who was the idiot that gave you that award you every wednesday from 10 to 12 and thursdays four to six on
1: kxtr the planet
0: All right, and welcome back to the show. Time to talk about the speed gaming event put on by Ph.D., which is a board game distributor. Yes, um, major,
1: a, major, major player in that industry, by the way. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah, so this was um, in Dallas uh, at the Wyndham Suites Hotel. Yes, it was. Uh, I think we were close to the airport.
1: Yes, we were very close to the in airport. In the
0: vicinity, at least. So we're just going to run down the games that we got to play. There were a couple sure. of cool, like, you know, uh, just kind of, you know, you know, everyone meet and greet everybody, things like that. Right. But overall, as far as the games we played, got a demo or a bunch of publishers there. So kind of the theme of the event was on the actual day, you sit down for 20 minutes with each publisher, you and a few other people, and then you just go table to table. They show you their new stuff.
1: And a lot of these were were previews of games that were not out yet. Yeah. Um, we saw a lot of, you know, This is a box that we're holding the stuff in, and we've kind of got it mocked up to look like this, but none of this is final yet. Yeah, for sure. You know, we played with a lot of uh, plain white pieces and things like that because they're like, you know, this game is still – we're still putting finishing touches on it. We're not entirely sure how we're going to go about the following three things yet.
0: Yeah, and one thing I did see that was pretty cool is, like, how much 3D printing has made um, demo copies look cool. Yes, um, so, anyway, let's talk. Got a demo the night before the big event of Unlock, which is a um, new kind of app run uh, escape room game. Which was cool. From Asmo Day. Yeah, really cool looking. Uh, it was a very tiny demo, right? But I really am just, like, excited about these games. Right. Unlock and Exit, which is coming out from uh, Thames and Cosmos. Uh, Roadhog, we got to play a game called Roadhog. We did. And if you remember our review here on the show of the Next Great American Game documentary, it's that game that this guy is trying to sell in that documentary. 100%, not a game I liked
1: at all. It is very much a screw-your-neighbor game, which is absolutely not your cup of tea. Um, I was fine with it, because I'm okay with screwing my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Um, It was... uh, simple straightforward not a not a terribly difficult game to play yeah um you know if you're looking for something big and meaty go elsewhere but for sure it was a it was a perfectly fine time filler game for me i mean it took half an hour to up actually yeah, yeah, we sure. played that whole game in 20 minutes because that was during the speed gaming so yeah, yeah. if you no, it was the night before was it
0: the night before uh, okay and if you like uh if you like uh kind of take that games check it out sure right? check it out um so we also that night played Sensei's Path, the expansion for Onitama. We just got to use a few of the cards, but they look fine. There seems to be a lot more like jumping around stuff, like um, a lot more movement,
1: if forward you, movement. If you uh, if you play Onitama or you rec- or you like Onitama, um, I-, I recommend whenever that comes out. It's due out, I think, next month, maybe two months. Very soon, yeah, yeah, but it, soon. It's just You'll like get it.
0: sixteen cards. For- yeah,
1: it's it's it doubles your potential for. Uh, Uh, cards in the game yeah it's a really
0: small expansion and it's just new cards but if you like onitama and play it a lot and want some variety check it out so uh the the actual speed gaming event the first game we played was battle kittens uh coming out from ultra pro that was a perfectly fine little game i mean it was it was kind of interesting how you um are trying it kind of like kind of like smash up how sometimes uh second place gets the most points Oh, that it had drove that, me insane. that thing going on. That
1: thing drives me insane. I kind of like
0: that because, you know, as we're sitting there, me and D had to team up on this one. We're going, okay, we're going to commit this many of this type of cat to this one because we think that might be a good second place score. You right. Know? Uh, I kind of like that. I, you know, it's not a game I'm ever going to play ever again. Right. But if you like nice, just like simple games uh, i mean it wasn't a bad one some of these we you get, we got such a small look at it that
1: it, you can't really take our word for whether it's good or not I, you know? and yeah i'm i'm definitely not giving a firm thumbs up thumbs down on any of these for sure. uh, this is just a like, I, like we said, it was 20 minutes ago, and I mean, at zero, you better have your stuff ready to move to the next sure. table because it's going. The, and this
0: one was especially, it was the very first one, so it, he was not set up or right. ready to go, so we barely got any of this. He was supposed to show us a second game that did not and happen. And it did not happen. And uh, we we played Hot Shots. I really enjoyed Hot Shots. Yes. Actually, was actually, one of my favorite games that we played there. It was a great There's game. There's actually a lot of depth to it. For, you know, Fireside, you it was a little deeper than the typical Fireside game, I would say.
1: I, I would agree with that, for sure.
0: And had a lot of fun with that. It's, uh, you're fighting forest fires, and each each person has a certain power. Uh, the cool thing is, is like if you're near a lake or if you have one of your uh, teammates with you, it's cooperative. Um, you get extra boost to fighting the fire, stuff like that. Yep. Um v- we played Spoils of War, uh, which is a Viking game from Arcane Wonders. Oh, the Hot Shots game. The cool thing about that is it used like a far-call mechanism. Yes. Which I really enjoyed. Uh, Spoils of War was kind of similar because it used Liar's Dice. That's mm-hmm. kind of the main mechanism for it. It's a bidding game where you play Liar's Dice and then you bid on whether you think the bust is going to happen or not. You know, once someone says, no, that's not true. You're a liar. Then everyone bids on whether you think that's going to be uh, whether the person was lying or not.
1: Pretty cool game. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a variation on Liar's Dice. If you're a Liar's Dice fan, you will love this game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Attack on Titan
0: played that game. That was actually, like, pretty cool looking. Didn't get to play much of it, but it looked really cool because yes. it's got all these cool 3D elements. There's an actual Titan there and with, like, places to put your character on him, like you're climbing up him. Right. And then there's buildings that you get on and fire cannons at the Titans really
1: cool. It was. Uh, um, there were, there was an entire, like it, I didn't get to really handle it, but it looked like a, a solid tower, yeah. um, with these cool wooden cannon meeples. I don't know what you call a cannon meeple, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, it's a, it's obvious wooden cutout of a cannon and the Titan goes around and smashes them down and then injures people. And, uh, you're trying to uh, either jump around on him and kill him, or fire the cannons off and kill him. Yeah. Uh, and it was
0: a one versus all game. It as was well. so, very much so. Yeah, it looked interesting. Um, Rune Wars. This was a big, huge miniatures game. Uh, this is big, epic-looking miniatures. I actually thought this looked really fun. Right. Okay. Um, it's weird. I, I like. I I I haven't ever had any interest in playing those miniatures combat games. Right. But I like war games and those are just war fantasy war games. You're right. You know? That's
1: all miniatures like miniatures war games and and like for for lack of a, the, the commands and colors war games mm-hmm. like there's really only like one or two steps in between these two games. Yeah for sure.
0: Um, the thing here is uh, putting the miniatures together, painting them, stuff like that. Right. That's kind of the hold back. But I looked at the price of this today. It's like uh, somewhere around $100.
1: For a two-player starter? That's not that bad for um, a war game.
0: Yeah, and there's big, nice-looking miniatures in yes. this thing. So if you're looking for a really cool fantasy miniatures game, the cool thing about this one is it, it does skew towards the side of a board game. So if you're a board gamer kind of wanting to get into miniatures games...
1: It's a good entry point. Yeah,
0: and they also said, which... I feel like a miniatures gamer would be like, why is that important? But I thought it was really important that, like, all the stuff fits back in the box even after it's put together. Absolutely. Because if you're a board gamer, you're not thinking about displaying miniatures and stuff. You want the stuff to go back in the box. You right. You put it on the shelf. Rune Wars I thought was really cool for coming out from uh, Asmodee. I guess it's technically Fantasy Flight, but. Yeah. Which is Asmodee. Um, so next, uh, we got to do this cool little thing with Magic the Gathering. Where they gave us three booster packs and we got to build a deck.
1: Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I thought it was I thought it was great. I apparently um, got a, a good card out of there. You did. It was what the what the thing was was pitching their new uh sealed league format. Yeah. Um, which is designed for super casual new players. And the way the sealed league works is everybody starts with three packs and you play a tournament, and everybody who finishes um 1 and 2 or worse in the tournament cuz you do ideally you do eight man uh leagues uh so each tournament will be three rounds yeah um everybody who does who does one one and two or worse now if they want it they're eligible to go get another pack and add to their pool yeah yeah for sure which then makes their deck better so then they start climbing back up and ideally it will mix and rotate uh, who does well and who does bad,
0: and you kind of realize the actual like validity of making a deck out of three booster packs. Yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: I mean, you only had to build a thirty card deck. It's not it's not bad. It wasn't yeah. bad at all. Um, so uh, we played Quests of
0: Valeria. Sure. one of the three Valeria games. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it's supposed to be like uh, it's all. They, he even told me later on in the day that like they're kind of doing something similar to the Tiny Epic line. Yes. So you could call this Tiny Epic Lords of Waterdeep. You know what I mean? Kind of, sort of. Um. So it was pretty cool. I didn't really understand what was going on at first because at this point we've learned the rules to like twenty games.
1: Yeah, I mean this was late in the day. We've, we, you're not just like literally. We're somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty games at this point. Yeah, and and we're getting shotgunned rules every twenty minutes. Yeah, and it just. Your brain just starts to melt by yeah, the end of it. Yeah, it, it starts
0: to blur after a while. But oh, from once I started picking it up, I, I I thought it was pretty cool. Sure. The next game that we played, and I want to play the other Valeria games, Villages of Valeria and Car- uh, Valeria Card Kingdoms. Me too, actually. Yeah, I'm really interested in those. Um, and these are the same size, but bo- except for Card Kingdoms, the other two are the same size box as the Tiny Epic Galaxies games. Right. So like between Valeria and Tiny Epic, you could have a really varied collection of games that take up very little space. Agreed. Um, and with a lot of variation in depth as well, you know. Um, so next we played a game that I thought was shockingly fun for how, like, simple it was, which was the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it was called the Something Mixtape.
1: Uh, I can't remember the name. Awesome, awesome Mix something. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, it was Guardians it was really of the Galaxy card. card game. Yeah. And it was it was straight up a variation of uh the game called Screw Your Neighbor, the old card game that people play and bet dollars yeah, on it yeah, or drink right. with. Um it it was straightforward, was thematically fine, a lot of fun. Um part of my appreciation for this was that it was late in the day and it gave me a uh it gave me twenty minutes of not having to process because I already basically know how to play this game. I and was so just I didn't. about to say this too yeah.
0: that like it was I think why I liked it so much was because of how like burned out my brain was and this was just so simple that it was it was was just actually fun um, you know
1: imagine imagine swimming to the point that like you're like all right I can't swim anymore I'm going to drown because I'm stuck underwater and then you find a little pocket of air (laughs) (laughs) for
0: sure Um, I
1: think so you know
0: getting this game and playing it on a normal basis I don't know but I really enjoyed it there for that exact reason you're right Um, Custom Hero is the new card crafting game yes they did um Mystic Veil was the first card crafting game, Custom Heroes the new one. We didn't really get to play it, but uh from what we did get to see of it, I thought it was pretty cool. Sure. Like I had never I haven't played Mystic Veil, but this one is pretty interesting. Like you get to put different, you know, you've got a character and it's in a card sleeve and then you're sliding these transparent cards with just like maybe one little image on the right or left or top or bottom that update the character and then how the game? I couldn't remember. I can't remember how the game was played, but somehow, like, I'm gonna. We're both gonna end up with these different characters, so like, I can add on to something that you've already added on to. Right. For a second game in this card crafting line, I thought it was pretty cool. Sure. And I'm excited to see what AEG does with the card crafting system because they're not just sticking with Mystic, the Mystic Veil game. They're right. actually using this as a system to use in all kinds of different games.
1: Um. People talk about the, the, the card crafting line series. Um, where does Gloom fall in? I don't know. I've never played Gloom. Okay. So Gloom is this, is this game. Um, well, we'll talk about it off air. Uh, Gloom Gloom to me, at least in my head, is a card crafting game because you play modifiers on pre-existing cards to to adjust their point values, um, which to me is all a card crafting game is. Yeah. But it's definitely not the same in terms of you can modify all the different parts of the card. But this is almost yeah, like but, physically modifying it, right. which
0: is pretty cool. I guess that's what the card crafting is. Right. But you're right. There's probably a lot of games that are like, you know, where you're changing what the cards are. Right. You know, but just like, oh, I have to remember that this card has this, you know, even Smash Up is that. To an extent. You absolutely. Um, so we also played uh, Lovecraft Letter. We played a round of Lovecraft Letter. Pretty solid for a Love Letter game. Do you,
1: do you like Love Letter? Yes. Okay, you'll like this. And
0: there's there's actually probably more extra rules added onto this than any other Love Letter v- variation.
1: The thing that I really liked about it was that there were twice as many cards and you can play six, seven people. That's true. There are times when I want to play Love Letter, but there's a group of six about to sit down here. Love Letter, the base Love Letter only holds four players, so that's not even something I can bring up. Yeah, that's so.
0: very true. I enjoyed Lovecraft Letter. I've read almost every H.P. Lovecraft story, so I'm a big Lovecraft fan. There so you go. Excited about this one. Uh, and the last game we played was uh, Ethnos. This game was probably my favorite game we played of the whole day. Really? Um, it was like a set collection area control game. Yep. It's exactly what it was. So you're doing the set collection with elves and dwarves and stuff like that. But each of them has a different ability, and that's going to allow you to put these cool little coin-looking things out on this map of this different world. And there's two different ways you can set collect by color or by race. Correct. And then you're trying to stack yours up higher than other people's to score different points at different times. I thought, man, I liked that game a lot. Uh, And I've heard a lot of other—I've watched some reviews and stuff, and it's like people are really digging it, and I really liked it. And it was at the end of the day, and it was probably one of the deepest games we learned uh, throughout. Oh, the day. absolutely! And I, I was still really enthralled. It was the last thing we played, and I was ready. I mean, I was ready to play it more. You know?
1: Yeah, I, I was. I was on the other end. I was just. I was burned out, and I, it's rare for me to say this, but it was to the point that I wanted to go eat and not play games. And I'm so, totally with and, you on that. And, yeah. and and being in that, being on the verge of that mind state when we sat down at the table. We then played the deepest game of the day. That's true. And I just wanted to put a gun to my yeah, head. Yeah, <laughs> it would have
0: been nice to start one table back.
1: Yeah, had we started at that table, my opinion of it would probably be completely different. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, uh, uh, uh,
0: some uh, we got some cool games. Quest of Valeria, got a copy of Quest of Valeria, mm-hmm. um, and Braintopia from Day So, pretty cool stuff. Um, I had a really good time at the event.
1: I learned a lot. There were some seminars the first day. Talking to retailers about um, things to do, not to do in your store. You know, trends that are happening, yeah, trends yeah. That, that people think are coming. Uh, just you know, general problem solving. Uh, you know, these these problems come up in every game store. Here's how you avoid them. Yeah. Or here's how you solve them when they come up because you can't avoid them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that was really useful for me as a guy who is in the process of building and setting up a game room. Yeah. Uh, there at our sponsor, Game and Movie Traders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was all really useful. Uh, you ended up sitting out of that, uh, yeah, for obvious reason, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, none of that's relevant to you,
0: but I gotta say it was a good couple of days, and it was cool to kind of see behind the curtain, of, absolutely like, the distributor side of everything, you know, and so I learned a lot of stuff I had no idea about right um, and I will say, you know, for all these companies, we probably played. The games of theirs that I wouldn't choose to play because they're showing us
1: their marketable games. Right. They're they're, they're showing things marketable. that are about to come out or things that are just come out and they're trying to get onto shelves, get sold. Yeah, for sure. Not, not their heaviest.
0: Stuff. You have to say, not it's their. not their
1: heaviest. It's not their best. It's their newest. Yeah, for sure. So
0: anyway, that was the PhD Speed Gaming event in Dallas. Um, had a good time. Thanks, D, for taking me along. You bet, man. Appreciate it. Had a it. blast. And um, not quite sure uh, what's g- g- coming in the future of Bags and Boards. We, um, I'm not sure when the next episode will be, but uh, it will be. This is not definitely not the last this episode. This is not
1: the last episode. Here's the thing. I got a new job. If you, uh, you hear us talk about gaming movie traders all the time, We love Game and Movie Traders so much, I have a job there now. I'm going to be running the game room. Um, This makes me a very busy person. Uh, As I mentioned, I'm in the process of building and and setting up a game room over there. Um, When it's set, we'll definitely be talking about it. There will be ads. Come in and see it, you know, the whole nine yards. Big spiel. Uh, But it makes scheduling to play games with you, Lance... Very difficult. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're a married man. You have a 9 to 5. You've got a kid at home. Mm-hmm. And by the time that I get off of work, you're about ready to go to bed. For sure, yeah. You know, I get off at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night when the when the store closes. And, uh, well, you're up at 5.30 in the morning because you're a, a married man with a kid. And that's what that's what that life is like. Yeah, for sure. So we will get episodes out as quickly and as often as we can. But that may not be weekly. In yeah. fact, it probably won't be weekly.
0: Yeah. So what you can do in the meantime... I've been doing this show for four years, whether it was with you or with Larrett. Right. We've got 100-plus episodes of Bags and Boards on our SoundCloud page. We do. Or if you subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, check out some of our old episodes and interviews. There's tons of awesome game shows out there. The Dice Tower, Secret Cabal. Rotto runs through all kinds of awesome shows out there. But definitely keep uh, keep up with our social media. We'll let you know when new episodes are coming out. Follow us on Twitter at Bags and Boards TX. To Absolutely. See when the new episodes are coming out. And SoundCloud.com slash Bags and Boards. Check out all of our old stuff, too. So that's it for today. Uh, signing off, I'm Lance McFarland. I'm D Clark. And we'll see you guys when we see you.